LinkedIn, we are going to fire up your Monday. With Steve Spiro, the Master Connector. I am Steve Spiro, the Master Connector. Over the next hour of this Master Connection series, we will take a deep dive into the different ways to connect and network effectively. See us and hear us right now. So LinkedIn, we are on here. We're getting ready. Hear from experts along with Steve Spiro, who went from being shy and introverted to the master connector. All right, LinkedIn, you know what time it is. We are live on LinkedIn. Make sure you're hitting those emojis, clapping hands, geared into it. Steve Spiro and I, we're going to bring you some amazing guests for the next hour. And we're going to be talking about recovery. Have you been through something traumatic? Are you trying to recover from that? Are you trying to get over a hump? This is what this show is all about. We're going to jump into it. I'm going to introduce my main man, Mr. Steve Spiro. Steve Spiro is a martial arts black belt and a master networker. He has moved from being a shy, introverted kid to the master connector he is today. Steve Spiro began his business career by starting an advertising company in New York City. He had an incredibly fulfilling career and experience in advertising and marketing, but eventually pivoted to the technology industry. Today, Steve is a business automation consultant with Quadient, where he helps companies streamline and automate how they communicate and connect with their customers, leveraging artificial intelligence with both hardware and software. Steve Spiro believes in the power of mentorship, growing oneself through self-development and continuing to create meaningful connections through building a large network. Welcome to the stage of the master connector himself, Mr. Steve Spiro. Thank you, sir. Gavin, I really appreciate uh, that. I call him the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, doing all the magic you do. Appreciate you, sir. But hey, folks, it's Steve Spiro, the master connector, coming at you live and direct here. Uh, Cam and I really appreciate you tuning in. We're here every week, Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and come at you with engaging content on how you, too, can be a master connector. During this master connection series, each week our goal is to gather subject matter experts to impart their wisdom on us. Welcome to the show. I'm very blessed to have my co-host, Cameron Toth. Cameron is the founder of BizDev Live. Cameron founded Toth Event Staffing in 2011. Toth Event Staffing is a hospitality company providing staff and caterers and cafeterias, uh, staff to caterers, cafeterias, and catering departments in Westchester, New York, and New York City. BizDev Live was founded in 2020 and is a weekly show that airs on multiple platforms, including right here on LinkedIn Live, Monday through Friday at, 1, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. BizDev Live takes Cameron's entrepreneurship experience and combines it with his passion for helping young people and business-minded professionals. Cameron's mission in life is increasing access to education and opportunity for all people. So please bring back to the stage my man, the, the partner in crime, Cameron Toth. Thank you, Steve. Excited. We have Mama Spiro checking in. I see Gabe in the chat checking in. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, let us know where you're tuning in from. We always love hearing those different things. Uh, I know I checked in with uh, Ava, Wayne, New Jersey, uh, Connor's from Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, Marcus, I got to ask you exactly where you're tuning in from. We're, we'll get to that in just a moment. So we're going to go through. I'm going to introduce our expert panelists. Uh, we're starting off with Ava Diamond. Ava Diamond, psychotherapist, performance and wellness coach consultant has helped thousands of people discover what they need to overcome some of life's greatest challenges. Ava has provided her brain and body optimization coaching at Yale University School of Medicine for U.S. military pro athletes, doctors, lawyers, and other high pressured people. Currently, Ava consults for specialized addiction treatment programs and is the windy think billions on hbo for one of the top law firms on the planet please welcome the dynamic ava <laughs> diamond thank you yes thanks for letting me be here with you oh, we're excited about it all right we're going to go over to mr connor duffy connor duffy has been sober for eight years and uses his experience with addiction and recovery to help others Connor works for an amazing rehab facility 
uh, Laguna View Detox in Laguna Beach, California, has his own business as a certified recovery coach, created a multifaceted program uh, for recovery, and has 370,000 followers on TikTok creating recovery content. Please welcome to the show, the creative coach, Connor Duffy. Thank you very much, Cameron. Thank you very much, Steve, for having me on, guys. I really appreciate the uh, the warm welcome, and I'm very excited for the show. Thank you, Connor. All right, we're going to go over to our man, Marcus Ogden. Marcus Ogden. A little background about Marcus. In 2003, he was drafted into the NFL as an offensive lineman. After five years of playing in league, he decided to retire and pursue a career in construction and contracting. At age 27, Marcus founded a construction company called Caden Premier Enterprises. The company had fast growth in 2010, and eventually his business went bankrupt, losing almost $2 million on one project in a matter of 90 days. During his darkest hours, he pulled himself together, got a part-time job as a custodian, and with hard work and determination, became an inspirational keynote speaker executive coach, best-selling author, and marketing leader, helping to build the success of others. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Marcus Ogden. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here with Ava and Connor and really put on a great show to help everybody in the audience push through their sticking points to get to the other side. All right. We got our crew here, Steve. We got them lined up. I just want to shout out our audience. We got Mama Spiro checking in. We got Miss Estelle, for a former guest from last year. Uh, hello, beautiful people. She says, yes, indeed. Clutter Free Estelle is in the house. Uh, Steve checking in in the comments as well. Tiffany Glenn from Detroit, Michigan. We're glad you're here. Please check in in the comments. Let us know where you're tuning in from. And and Marcus, where are you tuning in from today? Because I caught Connor. Connor's coming in from Danbury, Connecticut, and uh, Ava's in Wayne, New Jersey. Jersey, where are you flying in from? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina. All right. So we got some some different states represented here on the map. Steve, uh, get us started here. When we're talking about recovery, what does it mean to you? Yeah. So I, I wanted to have this uh, this show. It's it's interesting, right? So um, I think it started out Connor and I having some conversations over the years. Connor and I known each other for about I think it's at least three years for sure, and I know a little bit about his story, which you'll hear from. Can't wait. And, um, you know, I, I've been exposed to recovery in different forms. Uh, my mom, well, I'm not going to say people in my life uh, have had different uh, addiction issues. You know, I've, I've been exposed to people in my family who had OA, some with an SA, some in AA, some in NA, right? And, and different worlds. And then I know Connor, you know, has a different perspective. I know Ava's got a different perspective. She, she comes at it from a different place. And and Marcus, with his NFL background and all the things that he's done in his life, I'm really excited to hear what everyone's you know perspective on this is going to be. But I think you know we all have seen you know recovery, we all seen addiction in different forms, and uh, you know whether it's something that you know you're really struggling with or just something that you know you think you might be or meet people in your life. I believe this show is going to be really impactful on you in terms of how you can um, maybe help either yourself or people get around you know uh, get over those challenges, those those humps. So I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, Cameron. And I, I know we have some amazing panelists. I can't wait to hear what they have to share. For my panelists, let me know in the chat whoever wants to jump in next on these topics. But who else wants to talk about what recovery means to them, just so we can sort of set up this conversation here? Not everybody wants. There we go. <laughs> go ahead, Connor. Yeah, I, I, think, I think for myself, um, recovery is about transforming um, for myself, I, I struggled with a uh, pretty serious addiction. Uh, as a kid, I got into a lot of, um, I started with, with smoking marijuana and developed into heavier things for myself. And, um, I think in that process, I got enslaved to a substance, which made me feel good. And I depended on my happiness and, my mood, my emotions were um, completely dependent on a substance. And that leads to quite a bit of trouble. So for me, recovery is about a complete transformation of self. It's about reaching your higher self, reaching your higher potential, and, um, and not being enslaved to a, a particular substance, whether it be a bag or a bottle, or whether it be uh, food 
or whether it be gambling, whatever the case may be, there are certain uh, vices that really hold people back. And um, I think when you're able to recover in a sense where it's an everyday job, you know, you got to develop healthy habits and um, it's a, it's a work in progress. It's, there's never a finish line for myself. You know, it's an everyday thing. So um, it's an ongoing process of, of self-transformation and, um, and, and developing healthy habits. That's, that's where it is to me. Love it. Go ahead, Ava. Yeah, so I, I'm going to broaden the scope just a little bit here because um, I, I may be the uh, token person who's actually not gone through substance abuse uh, issues. That does not mean that I have not, you know, had to apply recovery concepts to parts of my life. Because in fact, by broadening the scope, what I mean is that um, I took a deep dive into understanding how the brain actually works because I was really uh, disappointed with what I was seeing in addiction treatment. Um, people were being said to have failed treatment when in fact treatment, you know, wasn't really addressing the very basic uh, concept that our brain craves patterns. Our brain relies on patterns. And sometimes those patterns um, wind, they start out as patterns that work. They, they allow for escape or feeling better. And then maybe they slip into uh, a place where they no longer work and they may even cause damage. So it is normal for our brain to crave a pattern that feels like a relief or a boost or um, something at least we can count on. And so that, that applies to people, whether you have addiction uh, in your backdrop or current life uh, or not. Um, and so I like that Connor used the word transformation. I use a little bit of a different approach where I, I look at this as rediscovery of self, um, reconnecting and rediscovery, because in fact, I, I have experienced with thousands of people and I feel so blessed that I get to work with people who come out of the other side with whatever's holding them back in a pattern that's, that's unhealthy. But um, rediscovering what you're made of when you were born onto this earth, you know, the things that, you know, you were um, given or that you could create, you know, curate in through experience that you lost when entrenched in those uh, addictive patterns that weren't serving you any longer. Reconnecting with those parts of yourself is so essential to the transformation that you're talking about, Connor. So um, I, I really go heavy into let's normalize this conversation about patterns that our brain craves and let's really look at, wow, I forgot I was made of all this. Let's find that again. I love that. Yeah, I, th I think there's no, I was thinking about today's topic and, and I think we're all recovering from something all the time, right? You know, obviously every situation and I always try to remind myself and when anybody's down and negative, like somebody's always got it worse. So you can always think of something, you know, worse that somebody else is dealing with, but we're always in one state of recovery or another. Right. I, I think it's, it's something that everybody has to deal with. Marcus. So to me, recovery is really about how you transition through difficult times. So like me, I wasn't, you know, addicted to alcohol, painkillers like you know hydrocodone hydrocodone especially when my nfl career was over in 2007 2008 and i wasn't really expecting it and or planning for it i had a back injury and that really limited the way i could play the game of football and at that time i took a settlement and i left the game and for me i got addicted to these things because i had no plan for my life i had no future i had no goals i was going through life with an agenda no purpose and so these, kind of like what both Connor and Ava said, the alcohol and the uh, painkillers were there for me as a, a crutch. I mean, because I didn't really know what to do with my life. And so to me, recovery is all about transitioning through difficult times. So I tell people all the time, change is something you can't really do anything about, like new leadership, moving to a new location for work, whatever the case may be. Transition is how you actually adapt and ordeal with the change. So to me, transition is really big in recovery because it makes me feel how I do things, how I move within my life 
is going to be best served for what I'm doing today. And I'm always trying to grow, learn, and evolve. But for me, transition is a huge part of recovery because from there, I know how to move within myself. I know how I'm getting older and things in my life. Like you said, you're always recovering from something. Try to be more cognizant and aware of it so I don't develop the pattern like I did when I left the NFL and alcohol and painkillers was my, my crutch. So I'm always transitioning. This way, as I recover going forward in my life, I know how to do so to fit me and where I'm at in my life the best. I love that. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this uh, to a, to a kind of a little bit of a deeper level. And I'd like to hear, um, you know, kind of what has recovery, how has it really impacted your life? Um, and maybe you could share a little bit of your story and each of you told a little bit of your story background, but maybe you could dig into a little bit more. And I'm not necessarily saying war stories, Although, you know, maybe, maybe to a degree, yes, because I think when people hear the pain and the struggle, the issues that people have gone through, and maybe uh, like Eva, Eva said, she's not, she, she didn't do recovery, nor did, as far as I know, Cameron or I, however, we all have some version of that in, in, in different ways, right? Like I definitely, I probably could have went to OA. I definitely, eating was definitely a way that I comforted mm -hmm. myself. So you know, OA being Overeaters Anonymous, right? There's definitely some things in my life that were that would comfort myself. So we all have stories, and and I'd love to hear a little bit of of some of the stories. You know, Ava, in your case, maybe it's somebody that you know without you know revealing any identity that you've been able to see. Uh, but would, it'd be great because I think people relate to stories, right? And I know maybe it's difficult because a lot of times you want you want that to be the the past in your life, but but it'd be good to hear that, and maybe it'll provide a little bit of hope and a little inspiration for our viewers. So, so Cameron, I don't know who's uh, who wants to go next, but uh, love to hear whoever. Yeah, Ava's Ava's first in the in the comments, and then right, and Marcus. Go ahead, Ava. Yeah, I pull the trigger quick when I comment, right? So, <laughs> um, so just again to to broaden it. So you know, maybe there's people out there saying, "Oh, this doesn't apply to me." Well, again, I come from a place of believing that those patterns that we rely on can serve us. And then at some point we may realize, hey, you know what, to use uh, Marcus's term, we, we need to transition into a healthier, happier place, right? So during the holiday season, which we're in now, a lot of times people find that they have patterns that they keep repeating in their relationships with how they communicate with each other, the roles that they play in uh, relationship dynamics. And one of the things that I had to learn myself which was probably the hardest uh, lesson that I had to learn, and and my God, was it liberating? Um, was to uh, come from a place of love, not fear, in my dynamics. So I would typically stay stuck in this pattern of fearing judgment or fearing loss, and stay in a relationship that, you know, wasn't really serving me any longer. So when I started coming from a place of love and not fear. I was able to um, use my compassion towards self and others, for example, and talk about the hard things and either improve the relationship or get out of it if I needed to. So addictive patterns in relationships are prevalent as much as addictive patterns in to substances or behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we all get into and I, I love atomic habits, right? Because, you know, talks about things that we do. And so when you suffer trauma, there's, there's certain habits, good or bad that you start picking up. Right. And so defensive wall, right. There's so many things that come into your life and how do you create good habits and let go of the bad habits. Uh, so oftentimes tragedy can, can really bring in some habits that aren't going to be beneficial to us. Right. I've actually heard it said that the, the, you know, you don't ever get rid of habits. You just replace them. You, mm -hmm. you put good habits in t on top of the, the old bad habits. And that's how you're able to, to make changes in your life that are meaningful. Yeah. Marcus, I know you wanted to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah. So for me, I like how Ava said, you want to look at ways and figure out if what you're doing and who you're doing it with it's going to make the best sense. So for me, some of my bad habits were 
you know, excessive, you know, use of pain medication or excessive abuse of alcohol. Whereas today I replace those patterns with I'm OCD on cleaning my house, or I'm very much into going to the gym. And like Steve said, I'm always trying to replace bad habits with good ones. But to me, on a deeper level, like you said a moment ago, Steve, you know, I, I've literally lived the life of having to go with, you know, a lot of loss, tragedy, a lot of ups and downs. And my father passed away when I was 26 years old. I'm sorry, excuse me, I was 25 years old. Uh, he was only 57, unexpectedly being, you know, cut from the NFL with a back injury, losing my organization. You know, that took me five and a half years to build in less than 90 days. And what I found is when I was at my rock bottom moment as a custodian, making $8.25 an hour when someone's trash and rotten meat and nasty, protruding, horrible garbage got over my body, my skin, and my clothes. That was the wake-up call when I made the decision to try and permanently transition from victim mode to let's get it fixed mode. And I feel a lot of times when in recovery, you know, we really sometimes are in the victim mode of trying to say, well, it was somebody else's fault. And again, not all the time, but I can speak from my experience. When I was going through my issues, it was a lot of play victim mode, blame my old business partner, my employees, the clients, et cetera. And they're not the ones that made the decision to do what I did business-wise to end up where I was, which was bankrupt, almost homeless. So for me, my recovery really truly began when I was on that curb, I was crying my heart and soul out in 2013, September, and I made the decision, if I'm going to get my life back now, before it's way too late, I have to transition permanently going towards the positive direction. Now, was it hard? Absolutely it was. Did it take me a long time? Yes, it did. But being honest with everybody, that's for me, Steve, Cameron, you know, Connor, and Ava, that's when it started for me, is I had to have that rock bottom moment. I had to have that moment of clarity where it was me in the mirror and the person in the mirror was responsible for the issues. If I'm going to get out of this mode and go towards a better life, I've got to start by taking accountability and saying, on my way to recovery, I have to transition positively every day out of bad situations. Hello. And uh, reading your bio, Marcus, the idea that, you know, you go from being, you know, in a world of of kind of being a star and and being, you know, on a big stage to taking those step backs. I think that's something that for a lot of people that are struggling and, and going through something and trying to recover and trying to, you know, make their life the right way, that step back is one of the hardest things, right? Whether it's in reputation, whatever, right? It's, it's, I, I know I can feel it in myself sometimes when I'm making decisions. Oh, I got to step back from something. It's one of those things that's like, we don't want to lose face. We don't want to, and that can lead to some really negative and nasty uh, places and just getting over the mental anxiety of, of being in that position of feeling like, what are people going to think of me? What am I going to think of myself? Right. I mean, th these are, these are, these are crazy, crazy difficult things to deal with real quick. Yeah. People are going to judge you regardless of what you do and where you're mm -hmm. at in your life. Let's make a difference. When I was in the NFL making money, oh, you're too good for us. You don't have time for us. When I was a custodian making 825 an hour with my rock bottom moment, oh, Marcus, get off that deck, get off that pavement, make something up for your life. So it doesn't matter, right? I feel the mindset you have to have on a real road to recovery is you can't worry about what people think about you. You can't worry about that. If you're focused on that, you're not focused on the real issue, which is fixing yourself. Mm. So once I was okay with saying, I failed in life, I lost everything, it was my fault. Once I became okay with that part of starting the recovery, I could begin the recovery. But if you're not gonna be real with yourself, because you worry about what the people are gonna think about you, what they're gonna say about you, newsflash, no matter who you are, where you are in your life, if you are doing something people don't like, good, bad, or indifferent, they're going to judge you, they're going to talk about you. So you might as well get your life going in a positive direction and give something to talk about. I love it. And it reminds me of like the fail hard and fail fast, right? Because we could be talking about, you know, major, major challenges in your life. Or you could just be talking about something where you've 
you've gone past a point where you know this isn't working and you can make that choice and saying this is not working stop cut your losses move on to the next or you can i'm afraid of somebody what's up somebody may think of me and, and i'm i don't want to admit my mistake and then that stops you from truly learning from that moment and and moving on to the next i, I think it's such such a big 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 deal thank you for that marcus connor i know you want to jump into this conversation yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really love what Marcus said about hitting rock bottom. I think um, um, everybody's rock bottom is different and um, everybody's story is different, especially when you're talking about addiction uh, issues. I think for me, there was a lot of evidence, even from when I was a young kid, that I had an addictive personality and that it was a it was a clear problem for me. But it wasn't until I really got to a point where I couldn't I couldn't live with myself and the situation that I was in. Um, you know, I really relate to what Marcus said about making a decision because that's what it comes down to. Um, just to give you some brief, a, a brief history of mine, I won't get into too many war stories, but but like Steve said before, I think it's important for people to be able to connect and, and hear this stuff. Um, you know, by the time I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I was on the verge of homelessness. Um, I was, I was using uh, heroin at this point and, um, you know, I got to a place where I looked at my life and I realized I'm 20 years old and, uh, and I'm shot. I'm spent. I can't even afford my $400 a month, uh, rent in, in living in the hood <laughs> in, in New York, you know? So I got to a place where I was 21 years old. I wasn't even 21 years old yet. I couldn't even take a legal drink yet. And I felt like my life was over, you know? So, um, getting to that place, that, that mental, uh, bottom where I literally could not live with my situation anymore. And I, I, uh, I was humbled enough. This is one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on. You have to get humbled to the place where you're willing to reach out for, for help, whether no matter what type of problems are in your life, you know, I could not get out of my own way, you know, my way of thinking and, my way of living my life got me in the situation that I was that I was currently in at the time. So I finally realized, you know, if I don't if I don't get a different perspective and get connected with people who know how to live a, a, a better way and are more educated on um, changing their lives, then I'm not going to make it to 21. I'm not going to make it to 22 years old. And so I finally got to a place and I hit that mental and emotional rock bottom where um i had the humility because i was a i was a young kid who thought i knew it all i thought i had all the answers and i really didn't know anything you know i had a lot to learn and i still have a lot to learn um life is a learning process you know so but i finally something clicked in that moment where um i hit that rock bottom and i was willing to reach out for help and, and a part of recovery is is being free and and i think something that is the most I think the most important thing to me is that I have the freedom of choice today. I can live life however I want to live it, as long as um, I remember where I came from. You know, my mess turned into my message. My my previous tests turned into my testimony, and that's why I like working in recovery. I love helping people because I get constant reminders of uh, what it was like and where. I can go back to if I, if I kind of fall off the beam, you know, and if I decide to make just a couple choices that aren't in my best interest. Love that. Steve, I know you wanted to jump in with the next yeah, question. And, and Connor, I, you, you hear you speak. It reminds me of why I wanted to have you on the show. I remember the first time we actually got to meet face to face other than our ca chance meeting at the, in the locker room of a gym in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, yeah. right? We got to, to meet at Starbucks and you and I chatted and I could, and you got emotional like that. And I know you held it back and you kept it, you kept it professional, but I know you were well enough and I respect that, how much this means to you and how much of a, of a heart to help people you have. So, and I know I could speak about everyone in the panelists, but I, I just wanted to point that out to you. Uh, you know, just kudos to you on that. Uh, and really being able to be vulnerable, I appreciate that. But, uh, and you touched on something, so kind of queued up uh, really well uh, what I wanted to ask about for everybody, not just you, Connor, but everybody. And, you know, in in my, you know, kind of 
limited exposure to recovery to NA, NA, and all those, you know, all the, the 12 step recovery programs. Um, you know, you hear about the serenity prayer, right? And I might be butchering this. God, give me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change and change the things I can. And the wisdom know the difference. I think that's it. I'm hoping I, I've been enough at an anniversary where you get the coin and Connor's giving me a little thumbs up. I, I didn't butcher it too bad. I've been enough for you know, anniversaries where you see people get the coin and yeah, I got to hear and they'll keep coming back. It works if you work. It's a work it. you're worth it and all that stuff. Right. But but there's some really good stuff that I saw, you know, peripherally being around recovery. Right. And so I'd love to get people's take uh, the panelists take on, on some of these things, you know, like Connor mentioned, you know, you know, asking for help and that kind of help helplessness aspect of, you know, that, you know, to be able to just be, you know, say, hey, I, I need help. Right. Being, being vulnerable, right? And and then also looking to seek a higher power, not getting religious on anyone, but but there's such a strength and a, an emphasis in, in what I saw the exposure in, in, you know, certain things like 12 step, where there was that reliance on a higher power and giving it up to somebody greater than yourself, right? And then, you know, the, the power of a community, right? I heard it in some rooms talk about, they talked about their higher power being the room itself, the community that they're around, right? So there was some really cool things, and I think it's not it's applicable in everything, right? We all have communities around us. We all have some kind of spiritual walk or lack thereof, right? Oh, there you go. Thanks, Cameron. Um, but I'm curious what everyone else's take on some of those concepts, you know, helplessness, higher power, and the support of a community. So I wanted to hear what, what anyone had to say. I think Ava wanted to jump in that first. There she okay, is. yeah, thank you so much. So, um, you know, there's a there's a lot to answer with that question but again going back to the beginning of our conversation with how do you define recovery what is it and how, or how do you define addiction and so to me addiction is a disease of disconnect you disconnect from yourself and you disconnect from others so the antidote i know you're not supposed to say there's an antidote but here you go the antidote to disconnection is connection. So you connect with others and you can first you connect with yourself a little bit there and then you connect with others, hopefully, because that's your community support, the power that you get from a relationship that's serving you. So we have I mentioned before that connecting with yourself is about rediscovering. And in in my experience um, with, again, thousands of people, and by the way, we're talking, you know, we heard some stories about hitting rock bottom, et cetera. And I don't want people to be confused because in fact, many of the people that most of the people that I work with, they are very successful and they're active addicts. So there's a lot of uh, high functioning addiction that goes on and people may not ever hit bottom. So what, it, what happens is that they, they, they do have an aha moment of sorts and they recalibrate, they reconnect, with themselves and they reconnect with others. So quickly, you know, for the sake of everybody's uh, time here, um, reconnecting with your internal resources, those values, beliefs, personality traits, and skills that allow you to thrive in the face of challenge, they're still there. They've just been buried by patterns that uh, have no longer served you. Connecting with others, you know, reconnecting with others, you know, that's where we have to be careful to edit. We got to edit sometimes those external resources, those people, places, and things so that we truly choose the ones that promote our growth, our transition, Marcus, right? To help us transition. Um, and what interferes with reaching out for the, for the healthy help comes down to usually shame or resentment. We don't know how to get past being ashamed or feeling angry and resentful. And you know, those are the things, shame, guilt, and resentment, those are the three things that, that kill us most. So if we can get rid of those by connecting with who we're meant to be on this planet and then finding those healthy resources, recovery of all kinds of, uh, all patterns that interfere is very, very possible. Okay, I'm done. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading or, or listening to uh, Renee's Brown, Dare to Lead right now, and some of the the tones that you're hitting here with, you know, being able to be vulnerable. I mean, she talks about it so much and being able to be a better leader to figure out the things like shame, um, these, these individual pieces that make us behave in such a way as to negatively impact other people. 
And I, I, I love they're hitting those notes because it's, it's those fears that, that really block us from doing the good that we can do in the world. Uh, I love that. Uh, who else wants to jump in here? Go ahead. I couldn't tell the mark. No, go ahead, Connor. I'll go, I'll go after Connor. Go ahead, Connor. <laughs> He's giving it to you, Marcus. That's fine. So, you know, I'm going to follow a little bit of what Ava said. To me, it's about connecting, right? So when I was going through a lot of my issues with, you know, being bankrupt, being an addict, you know, having, you know, no inspiration, no hope, when I made that change to move towards a positive transition, I reached out for help. I went to the NFL Trust, the NFL Legends, and I got into a treatment program, which was like seeing a therapist uh, once a week. I got into an accountability structure program. I got into what I call like we had this kind of discussion with somebody like your it's kind of like your case manager in a sense, and have a report to him, you know, twice a month, well, every two weeks. And what that did, it gave me structure and it gave me accountability to not just connect with someone, but to stay connected with someone. And Ava said it brilliantly is that she's 100% correct. There's very successful people that I know who are addicts, like, you know, alcohol addiction, sex addiction, uh, gambling addiction. So you are 100% right. You don't have to be at rock bottom be an addict. You could be very successful, making millions of dollars and still be an addict. But the thing is, I love what Ava said, because that is exactly how I got my life back on track, was connecting with people. And there's a great quote by Aristotle, uh, in times of extreme darkness, focus on the light. And what I did was, as I was getting my life back together, my father's legacy was my small glimmer of light that was really overshadowed by darkness, which was shame, bankruptcy, addiction, you know, not feeling like you no know, a, a good provider for my family. I could go down the list. So there was a ton of darkness that was really surrounding my life in my circle at that time. And as I got help and each week I got started talking about more issues and getting out more things into the open and then trying to come up with solutions to my problems. Then the light got a little bit bigger and pushed out dark. It got a little bit bigger, pushed out dark. Now today, I would say my life is 99% light. And do I have those times? Do you have difficult times? Of course, anybody does. You're a human being. You're going to have those times. But because of how I've learned to transition from a very negative, toxic thinking person in 2013 to now a very positive very upbeat, very lively individual who knows how to ask for help if necessary. My life is so much different. It's so much more impactful. And one of my good friends, name, his name is Jamie, and uh, Jamie Hopkins, it says, live your life by the three Gs, gratitude, grace, and grit. Be thankful for the fact you have a chance to keep recovering because you're still above ground. The fact that grace, know who you are, and be even keel. Don't get too high on yourself. Don't get too low on yourself. I think too many people as human beings get so low on ourselves. We beat ourselves up because we didn't make a certain goal. We didn't hit a certain mark. It's okay. Just have grace and know as long as you keep fighting and keep yourself even keel, you can go for then grit. Persevere through anything. So live your life with gratitude, grace, and grit. And that can inspire you and others. But like, I'm going to go 100% with Ava. For me, it was reconnecting to people. But on top of that, staying connected, even to this day, right, Ava? I talk to my case manager now once a month, get a phone call. If I don't answer, he gives me an email. I email him back. And I still do that today. Why? Because the NFL knows that if you have a hard time, something like that, as athletes, we can go backwards if we're not what? continue to move forward. So that's kind of what I feel is going to help me, was help me move forward. I, I love that. And, you know, everything from, from mental injury to, to physical injury, right? You know, physical therapy, it doesn't, it doesn't stop the first day you start feeling better, right? You, it's easy to slide backwards. You need that continual uh, therapy. Connor, you want to jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to piggy 
piggyback off what Marcus said about what Ava said was was 100% dead on. Um, addiction thrives in isolation. Um, when people don't know what's going on, when people aren't aware of things that you may or may not be doing behind closed doors, addiction thrives in the darkness. You know, um, if nobody knows what's going on, nobody can hold you accountable. And a lot of people don't want to be held accountable if they aren't ready to, to, to stop and, and to get better, you know? So the antidote, as Ava said, um, the opposition of isolation is, is getting connected. It's being connected with people. And that's why um, there's many different ways to recovery, right? But if you look at all the different ways that people recover, whether it be going to rehab, going to treatment, whether it be going to AA meetings or NA meetings, whether it be going to see a therapist or whether it's like what Marcus said about um, checking in with someone on a, on a regular basis, um, you have to get connected with people that can implement healthy ideas and, and new ways of living, you know, and, and inspire some hope. Um, when Marcus said uh, his acronym uh, the three G's I, I have my own and it's, and it's GHP and it's very similar. Actually, it's, it's uh, gratitude, humility, and patience. And if I have these three things in my life every single day, and I, sometimes I need to be reminded, right. Cause, cause I can struggle with, especially the patience part. But um, <laughs> if I, uh, if I have gratitude in my life, uh, a grateful mind is, is a grateful person is not a person who's going to be going back to drinking or doing drugs or any other unhealthy device. If you are focused on kind of like what Marcus said about the light in your life, you don't have enough room to, to, to ponder about the things that aren't going well for you, you know, and a big part of it is the, the perspective that we have uh, recovery. A lot of it about is about perspective, humility, the H part, right? Being humble, knowing, knowing, not being too down on yourself and not being too high. There's a, there's a healthy middle ground there, you know? And uh, another big part about recovery is, is ego deflation. Um, we got to be willing to kind of get humble and be willing to deflate our ego a little bit in order to um, get past our own. A lot of the times we are in our own way. And it, it took a lot for me to realize that. And the third is, is P is patience. Um, working hard, but also realizing that sometimes things take time. And the only thing that um, you have to give time time, <laughs> as as silly as that sounds. The only thing that um, you have to give time the time for things to work, you have to put in the work, but you have to give yourself um, a long of enough sample size in order to see the progress that you're making. You know, so that's what I have on that. I love that. And, and Ava wants to talk. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here because this is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, and it's really twofold based on what uh, Connor just said. So, you know, I, I get a lot of people um, do so well with AA and all the all the anonymouses that lit, are out there. And there's a lot of people who don't. And one of the reasons why they don't is because they struggle with this whole idea of control, giving up control, being powerless. And so my coaching focuses on how do you actually have healthy control? Because we all crave control, but we, we need to have healthy control, not the kind of control that's uh, a false sense of it or a, a disruptive uh, control to our lives. So healthy control is very possible. And we do that um, by understanding actually the science of addiction. My brain and body optimization focus is on first and foremost realizing that addiction to a behavior or a substance that is not serving and say any longer, it's because there's been a chemical reaction to um, that our brain um, at first loves. And so gratitude has the ability 
mm. of actually creating that chemical shift. And it goes, what I really encourage people to do in order to have healthy control over their brain chemistry is to make sure you exercise gratitude. So it's one thing to walk around thinking, wow, I'm so grateful that I have the roof over my head and the clothes on my back. I mean, that's good. That's important. Um, it's a very different experience. And I've done this with people of all ages, of all from so many different walks of life, where they've actually had to ex, you know, notice something and express, you know, notice, uh, for example, I gave, I don't want to get into details, it's too long of a story, but notice or, or reflect on something that you are grateful for and actually verbally share it with somebody else and notice the elevation in your mood and your energy, not just for yourself, but in, and here goes the connection word again, it's the connection that you share with somebody else. And so it's this incredible brain chemistry shift that you can have healthy control over simply by focusing on gratitude and exercising it. I love that. Yeah. The physical has so much control over the mental and we we're, we're, we're really, um, at an advantage when we realize that through the exercise of these physical practices, the actual verbalization of things, right? We talk about that so much on the show, right, Steve, in terms of, um, you know, the the things that you say about yourself in the morning to get yourself yeah. started and and really just visualize it. We, we, we talk about all these things. Steve, uh, keep us going here. Yeah, sure. And I appreciate it. Yeah, Ava, that was great. And uh, everyone has been tremendous. Yeah, you know, I, I think the other thing that in addition to gratitude and, and I, you know, I have a very rigorous morning practice, some of you guys know, and part of that morning practice is uh, gratitude. I, I list out three gratitudes every morning and uh, I know how important that is, but also just, you know, I heard, you know, and you talked about control, Ava, right? Control uh, is, is, is true, right? As humans, I think we want to have some type of control. And I heard the, the phrase uh, control, your, control the controllables, you know, you know, what can you control? Well, you could control your morning. You could control your morning practice, right? And, you know, I know Marcus is big in the gym. I, he posted uh, recently on LinkedIn uh, him doing some shrugs at the gym, beasting it out. But, uh, you know, we all have we all have our stuff, right, that we do in the, you know, whether it's a morning or night or whatever, right? Those things that kind of give us a sense of control, but also it's a sense of accomplishment. I, you know, I know that, that when I'm task driven and when I accomplish something that I know I need to do, I get a little endorphin hit and that keeps me going, right? And it encourages me to do those positive things, right? Every day. And, and so I, I have absolutely agree. And I, I think we have control, but I wanna ask this question. I wanna shift gears a little bit here and, and ask, and this is gonna be challenging. Maybe Connor will start with you first. I'll just volunteer you. But, um, but anyway, you know, and that is, what are some of the misperceptions about recovery, right? That, that a lot of people think that is not necessarily true but people have that perception about it so connor i'm i'm, I'm throwing you I'm throwing you under the bus on this one but i bet you have some good ones yeah no no problem i appreciate it steve i, I think i think some of the mis misconceptions about recovery is that i think people get hung up on what works for them and they think it needs to work for everybody you know um i think that uh, for example like i got sober by going to going to treatment, I went to rehab and I went to meetings and that was my journey. That's not everybody's journey. You know, that doesn't work for everybody. And I, and I also, I'm abstinent. So I've been sober for eight years and I, and I choose the abstinent route where I haven't had anything, but that doesn't mean that there are some people that follow that same uh, path and that's okay. Um, I think people really have a hard time accepting other people's walks of life because it has worked for them. And, um, and what I try to remind myself is recovery at the end of the day, I mentioned this before, a big part of it is ego deflation and it's not needing to be right and trying to understand um, other people's perspectives and what works for, for different walks of life, you know? So I try to be really open-minded and um, I think since I've really started working in this industry specifically, I've seen so many different ways that people have gotten better. And uh, it doesn't mean that my way is the only way. And it doesn't mean that my way doesn't work. And it doesn't mean that other people's ways don't work. It, there are so many different opportunities for people to get better. And, and I think as time 
goes on, I mean, it's it's about to be 2022, which is unbelievable. On a totally different side note, that's crazy to me. It's almost 2022. But um, as technology is advancing, science is advancing, we are finding new ways to to adapt in many walks, many different walks of life. And recovery is a part of that too. There are things that have evolved tremendously since 1950 uh, uh, regarding addiction and recovery, you know? So I think that's probably where the biggest disconnect is with people in recovery and people who aren't in recovery. Um, There's a lot, there needs to be, I think a way for the, to break the stigma of addiction and having issues is that there is a different path for everybody. Um, as long as we're keeping open to that, I think that's the most important thing. All right. I think Marcus, you're next, sir. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, is that there's a timetable that everybody should get recovered fully in within. There is no timetable. There is no, you know, magic formula, any magic wand on because yours took a year, mine should take a year. Or my yours took three months, mine should take, you know, three months. Like I believe that's a huge misconception that there's a certain timetable within everybody should be fully recovered. And I think Cameron alluded to this earlier. We're always trying to recover from something. So don't try to put a time stamp on it. Like you want to have a goal to hit for yourself, yes. But if you make it, phenomenal. But if you don't make it, that's okay too. As long as you're reaching towards turning that goal to an accomplishment and you keep fighting every single day with the right mindset, with the right inspiration and the right hope within your blood and within your veins, I feel you're always going to be a winner. So I just think there's a huge misconception a misconception that everybody should get done within a certain time frame or a time period. I just think that's not true. I've got something to say about this really quickly, if I can. So um, first, we mentioned before, one of the misconceptions is about addiction, which is that you have to be, you know, you look a certain way and live a certain way to be called an addict. um, When in fact, you know, most of my clients, as I said, are, you know, CEOs of companies we all know and love or professional athletes or very successful lawyers, etc. And no one would ever know. Oh, and by the way, the mom's in the playground, right? So, you know, no one knows what's really going on. Um, That said, that's a misconception of what an addict looks like. Um, But also the pattern of addiction is often one that is misunderstood. So I've had clients who get drunk once a year. Well, how is that making them an alcoholic? Because it's not about how often or how much you use, it's about the impact of your use. So if you keep having negative consequences that disrupt your life, or the life of others in a in a significant way, and you keep doing it anyway, that's the addictive pattern, right? And that's where you can look for, how do I adjust this pattern in my brain and behavior pattern so that I can move forward and transition the way Marcus likes to use the word. But the other misconception goes along with what Marcus also just said, which is, and actually Connor too, people often think this is a linear process. And most of life is far from linear. Um, you know, we go five steps forward, two steps back, 10 steps forward, three steps back, and we learn every step of the way. That's the key is to discover what we need to discover so we can create what we need to create. Love that. Yep. Steve. We want to do uh, some closing takeaways and where people can find our expert guests here. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I know we had a, another question, but uh, one, one of the questions, which I think is kind of a related question, and then we can kind of tie that into the the way that people can reach you. So we had a question, which is, what are some ways people who are struggle can find help? Right? So obviously each and every one of you are coaches in different ways. So perhaps either A, you could also, you could cover that, uh, whether it be for your services or B, maybe someone you know or, or, or organizations you know, uh, and also tell the audience, please, our viewers, how they can reach you and you know what the best way is to, to connect with you. 
So who is going to start it? And, and while you guys are thinking about that, I just said Tiffany Glenn uh, putting some amazing comments in here. Uh, I just wanted to shout her out. I have a gratitude journal that I work and journal in while I'm on my personal entrepreneurial journey. I didn't understand why having gratitude, especially on this personal professional journey, is so important. Uh, so she's she's uh, talking to us here, and I think, you know, I think one of the the best ways I've heard people talk about gratitude is it's very difficult to be angry, uh, depressed. It's, it's, it's difficult to hold those emotions and have gratitude in your mind at the same time. And so this is one of those mind altering kind of things that you can do. Uh, if you ever heard about somebody with, you know, suffering from depression, encouraged to smile because just the physical act of, of smiling releases chemicals in your brain that just starts changing your physical. So there's certain things that you can do and we know they work and it's tough hearing them sometimes. Well, I'm in down place. I don't feel like being, but somebody has it worse. So you got to be grateful for something. Right. And this is something that um, I think is, is really powerful. Thank you, Tiffany. For I just want to reflect off what you just said. You know, to me, the opposite of gratitude is resentment. And I heard mm -hmm. resentment is like taking like poison yourself, thinking you're going to poison somebody else. Right. And that's what resentment is. It's just this festers in us and just just it doesn't help. It hurts us. It doesn't hurt the person yeah. that we're, we're resentful of. And, and I find gratitude is almost an antidote to use your phrase, Ava, of that, you know, where you can be grateful of other people, even if it's a little bit maybe not 100 percent true, you could kind of manufacture it a little bit find something to be grateful in them and then that'll kind of wipe away that resentment it's these little wedges right these uh, and love to get people as we're going around and doing final things but these little wedges that just start opening the door to recovery right you know one of those big things admitting that you have a problem to begin with i think is just about every everybody's you know first step whether you're talking about uh mental injury physical injury emotional right it's like um, admitting that there's a problem you know there's these little wedge things that you can do and and those things are so powerful because they 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 allow you to get you know if you've ever been tried to you know use a crowbar to get anything it's really tough until you get that little piece in there and then you can use that that leverage and, and pop that sucker open and i feel like these kinds of tactics these pieces to the puzzle you know really allow you to get leverage on your challenges i love it all right uh so do we want to go around and my ava start us off and then we'll go to uh connor and then and then uh, marcus to close us out and so what we're looking for here uh steve if you want to just reiterate this is this this little closing nugget and also uh where people can find you yeah, where you know, basically, what are some ways people who are struggling can find some help, and also how they can connect with you? Sure, sure. So, uh, how people can get help if they're struggling to get help? There are so many resources online just to get you started. Um, that's one upside of the pandemic world is that we've become more familiar with using technology to connect. Um, that magic word again. So there's meetings, there's uh, lots and lots of telehealth people available. In fact, my coaching, I, I did long before the pandemic ever arrived. I had clients in every continent because of uh, things like Zoom. Um, so I'm, I'm well-versed in how to support people that way. And my brain and body optimization coaching offers uh, four pillars of strategies, mindset, movement, which is not exercise, even though I have that professional athletic backdrop, um, restoration, which is how do you restore brain balance? Again, focusing on brain optimization and includes sleep hygiene and all kinds of things like that. Um, and nutritional psychology. So I help people to uh, find their healthy control using strategies that are very practical and easy to implement. Um, you know, both in the workplace and at home, uh, daily living, um, and it tends to uh, tends to work. I'm really excited about how it tends to work. But the other thing is that for people who are really trying to figure out how to get into recovery and haven't found a treatment program or um, don't feel like necessarily AA is right for them yet, or they just need something else, there's a company called Adventure Recovery that. Um, Wow, oh wow, the approach that they take, uh, I do consult for them, um, but they happened long before I happened with them. Um, and their concept about getting people out into nature and discovering um, 
what I call core powers, discovering how to how to handle challenge through the experience of rock climbing and decision making through whitewater rafting, um, surfing, et cetera, et cetera. You learn so much without having it be uh, a therapy conversation. Um, it's more experiential learning of of how to grow into recovery, which I love. Adventure recovery is what it's called. Uh, sounds fantastic. Thank you for that, Ava. Connor, you're up. So um, I, I help. I'm over on TikTok. You know where you can find me is uh, is clean and serene on TikTok. I have a, a pretty decent following over there. I actually have my phone number that is right in my bio, so anybody can reach out to me at any point. Um, I uh, this is kind of exactly what I do. I help people get connected with recovery resources. Whether you're looking for uh, a recovery coach, whether you're looking for treatment. I work with a tremendous facility out in um, California. It's called Laguna View Detox. And we help people not just get into their treatment facility, but other other facilities as well. You know, um, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in New York, whether you're in Maine, whatever the circumstances are. And that's why I work with this facility, because they help absolutely everybody um, get the help that they need, you know. And, and like Ava touched on, I mean, I, I also went to AA. I haven't gone to AA in the last couple of years, but AA worked tremendously for me. And uh, I always know that that is there for me. There's just so many different resources, you know, whether it's online coaching, AA meetings, treatment. It's uh, it's it's getting to a point where there's there's help for everybody, you know, and unfortunately, 30 years ago, we couldn't say that. And now and now we pretty much can, you know, and I think it's a tremendous thing. So, um, yeah, I'm also, I also have a podcast. It's called the sober plug. I do. So I got, I got the TikTok on TikTok on the screen so people can find you there clean and wow. There it is. Got a lot of, a lot of content on there uh, to go from. And then I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> you'll, you'll be on there. You'll be on there within a year. Watch. It's getting older. The demographics are getting older. That's right. That was Go the ahead. wrong thing to say. Wrong thing to say. <laughs> Connor, it's, what, where was the other place that people could find you? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so I, I have a podcast as well. It's called The Sober Plug. And you could find that on Spotify. You could find that on, um, a, there's a lot of lot of different places. But if you if you downloaded Spotify, you could, you could find it on there. Um, Google Podcasts. And uh, I come out with a weekly episode. So that's another place you can find me as well. Amazing, Connor. All right, Marcus, you're up. Yeah, I mean, just like Ava and Connor said, you know, you can go to the web, get some resources. It could be make calls to places where you don't have to give your name. It doesn't have, it could be anonymous. You don't have to give them all your information. Like, you know, there's hotlines that I've called in the past where I didn't have to give my name or anything like that. I was having a really difficult time and I was able to get some help right then and there to talk me off the ledge. So very, very upfront about that. So if you're having an issue, just go online, find some type of resource, call, go see somebody. If you don't want to give me your information, just call a hotline and talk to somebody. Make the call and get your life going back in the right direction. Uh, we have a podcast as well. It's called The Lev and Marcus Show. Uh, we talk a lot about great things, you know, how to move past challenges in your life, how to connect with people, how to, you know, help get yourself going back on the right pace. And we work with, we have athletes on there, retired, current business owners, you name it. So you can follow us on there. It's so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Uh, go to our website, www.marcusmarquesogden.com and connect with us. Again, love to have a chat with you. But again, like Ava and Connor said, just find somebody. If it's if it's Ava, if it's Connor, whoever it is, just find someone and make the call. You'll be really glad that you did. Love that. Great job. Steve, close us out here. Yes, sir. And, and I appreciate everyone getting on here. Cameron, of course, I very much appreciate all the hard work you do behind the scenes. Uh, this is great. And, and listen, maybe not the most comfortable topic, um, you know, but it to me, it's so important. And, you know, what is one life worth? Right. If we could touch one life because we want to be the light. Right. 
And I'll just tell, I'll tell a story. I think I, some of you guys may have heard this before, but you know, it was an old man, crotchety old man walking on the beach. And in the distance, he saw a young boy and the, the boy was throwing some stuff into the water. He couldn't tell. As he approached the boy, he saw these, these starfish, thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of starfish. I guess they got washed up on the shore. And as he, as he approached the boy with his skepticism and his attitude, he says, what are you doing, boy? You know, and, you know, and the young boy was throwing the starfish back. And he says with his attitude and skepticism, well, what possible difference can you make here? And the young boy just reaches over, bends over, picks up a starfish, throws it back in the water and said, hey, I made a difference for that one. And what's one life worth, right? You can make the difference with one life, right? And to me, that's what this is all about, right? Again, not the most, you know, maybe it's not super uplifting, but you know what? Super important because what if we could actually, you know, make an impact and change one life, help one life, save one life, whatever it is. So appreciate you guys. We're going to end end this as we normally do next week. Cameron, who do we got going on next week? I think we have a really interesting show. Yeah. So in addition to, uh, to, uh, the difference makers accountability. So we're going to be talking about accountability. Uh, I believe we have Joe Rojas. I'm not sure if you got some other folks. We got Mario McCracken and Juan Fernandez. They're, they're going to be on the show uh, next week, Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be a great show. If you, you know, it's a good fall for this, right? A lot of times we were I was thinking about, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we're talking about accountability, and that's a big part of what at least you know, whether it be a Mark was, was talking about following yeah. up still to this day, even though exactly. he's at a point where, you know, somebody could say, well, why do you need to follow up? Why do you need to keep, you know, it's right. that, that accountability piece. Absolutely. It, so it. it's going to be great. So if you, this, this touched you or, you know, you, you feel like that, that could be a really big blessing to you or people in your, in your, in your network, you know, share it out to your network. So, but we're going to end it uh, here. Uh, obviously love to connect with if anyone who's watching this that hasn't connected with Cameron and I, Go make sure you check out Cameron's show, uh, the BizDev Live on 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, five days a week. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys, and we're going to crush it. So I'm going to count down, and everyone's going to shout out Crush It, and the viewers, you guys could type out Crush It, but here we go. Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. Crush It! Have an amazing week, everybody. Ava, Connor, Marcus, thank you so much for being a part of this. Hopefully... Uh, we've affected at least one life out there. I know that it can feel like if you're out there and you're struggling, and you're working hard, it can feel like you're not touching somebody. But I guarantee if you're working hard and you're doing the right thing, you're touching a lot of people. Uh, they may not show up in the comments all the time, but they're there. They're watching. And we've certainly seen the evidence of that. We'll see you next week. We'll be talking about ac accountability. See you next week. Thank you very much. LinkedIn, we are going to fire up your Monday. With Steve Spiro, the Master Connector. I am Steve Spiro, the Master Connector. Over the next hour of this Master Connection series, we will take a deep dive into the different ways to connect and network effectively. See us and hear us right now. So LinkedIn, we are on here. We're getting ready. Hear from experts along with Steve Spiro, who went from being shy and introverted to the Master Connector.